Welcome to the Cyber 24 Podcast, the weekly pod dedicated to helping businesses and governmental leaders better understand the often intimidating topic of cybersecurity so you can make better decisions for your organization. My name is Marty Carpenter of 24-9, and I work in strategic communication, public affairs, and government relations. And on today's episode, a very special guest who joined us for a conversation a little bit earlier on, uh, Mike Potter, the CEO and founder of Rewind. Mike provides uh, cloud backups for SaaS applications that help businesses easily back up and restore their data. And this is our conversation with Mike talking about uh, not only a little background on Rewind, but also the cost and impact of data loss. There's no way I did justice to your company there, Mike. So why don't we start by first and foremost, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background and Rewind. Yeah, sure. Sounds good, Marty. Uh, Great to be here. Um, so as you mentioned, my name is Mike Potter. I've um, grown up in Ottawa, Canada most of my life. Uh, did a university degree in mechanical engineering, um, you know, as a lot of people did, did some web development in university as, as the internet was sort of coming of age. Um, worked at a couple of startups, spent some time at Adobe doing product marketing and product management, and uh, left there to run my first startup about 10 years ago. Um, exited that to a company called Miami. That's an email marketing company in Nashville. And then a few years later started Rewind, which as you mentioned, is a company that does backups for SaaS applications. It's a cloud to cloud backup provider for SaaS apps like Shopify, BigCommerce, QuickBooks, GitHub, uh, Trello, and a bunch of other platforms that we've got on the roadmap. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always love to ask the business questions. Overnight success or took you a little while to kind of build the momentum? Uh, it took us quite a long time, actually. We we worked on it part-time nights and weekends for about 18 months before making enough money to move full-time. And uh, and then from there, you know, the business grew quite well, in, especially in its first sort of couple of years in business. Um, and today we're a team of just over 100 people uh, located all across Canada doing, doing backups, like I said, for all those different mm-hmm. SaaS services. But initially, it well, started as a sort of side projects doing backups for Shopify store owners. Yeah. Well, very interesting stuff. And your background there in in backups is exactly uh, why we have you here today to get a little bit more insight on uh, our topic, the cost and the impact of data loss. So, you know, according to a major report by Oracle and uh, the analyst firm ESG, 49% of organizations who used SaaS tools encountered some kind of data loss. So help us understand what is the cost of data loss? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> let's start with what is data loss in the cloud? Because I think a lot of people sort of assume that as you move to the cloud and you move to SaaS services, that the backups that those SaaS providers have is useful if something happens to your account. And that misconception is, um, is, is, I'd say one of the biggest problems that we encounter in, in educating people around the need for SaaS backups. The, the backup that your SaaS provider has, and this is fairly common regardless of what platform you're using, is a, is a backup for them. It is a backup of all of their data so that if a meteorite hits their servers or if a fire goes through their data center or if something destructive happens, they can recover their data, which is in turn your data, um, the way it was before that problem happened. The, the way that backup for them is designed, though, it's an all or nothing proposition. So it's a backup of their entire system. So if the entire system has a problem, 
that's fine. You know, they can recover from it. If your account has a problem and just your account, that responsibility is, is your responsibility to secure your data. It's what called the, it's called the shared responsibility model where the platform provider, you know, whatever SaaS provider you're using has a responsibility for their data, but you have a responsibility for your data. And that surprises a lot of people. Most people really don't recognize that they are responsible for their data. And they think that because it's in the cloud, because it's a SaaS service, that if they run into a problem, they can call that SaaS provider and have them recover the data um, if something happens to them. And that, unfortunately, is, is not the case. And how you get to that situation in terms of a problem on your account and not someone else's, you know, is through... CSV file imports, uh, sometimes third party applications that you're installing into your, into your online store or into your online account. Um, other employees having access to your account causing problems or contractors or developers that you're working with on your account and just human error. I mean, people make mistakes all the time and, and sometimes, you know, you, you make a, make a mistake in, in your own account. And those are the types of things that will affect just your, SaaS account, just your online account without affecting, you know, the entire system. And that's, you know, where you would need a backup of. Yeah. That sounds like that could be uh, an expensive surprise to have if you don't understand sort of what your responsibility is there, or you don't have the proper backups in place. So, um, you know, we talked a little bit about what the data loss, what data loss is and, and, and sort of an element that people don't know about it. But to that question, what kind of costs can you look at as a company if, if you end up losing data. I mean, I presume it can go yeah. anywhere from very minor to catastrophic, but how do you sort of wrap your arms around that? I mean, it absolutely depends on, you know, how popular your store is, right? And and how many orders are you doing? I think all retailers can agree that, especially online, it's a hyper-competitive environment that if you're, you know, your store's loading or um, having some sort of problems, uh, not loading and having some sort of problems, that it's going to be pretty quick for you to be losing those visitors. And if you've got a fairly popular store that's doing, you know, thousands or tens of thousands of dollars of orders on an hourly basis, you know, the costs add up pretty quickly because those visitors will come to your site. They'll notice that there's a problem. They'll click the back button and they'll find a site that's loading properly that has the information that they're looking for. So, you know, it depends on how quickly you can you can um, identify the problem, how many orders you're doing, um, and and how popular your store is to really quantify the problem. But you know, losing data can take you days or in some cases weeks to recover from. Right from the time you become aware of the problem to being able to put the data back. I mean, if you just think about how long it takes you to set up the store in the first place. And then, you know, dealing with the business that's now running in addition to this major catastrophe that you've got on your hands, it can quickly escalate into, um, you know, a very significant portion of revenue, not to mention the reputation hit that it would take for your business to have recognized um, some sort of cyber attack on it. Yeah, I can imagine, you know, if you put yourself in the shoes of a business owner that does online commerce, that's a, an online store, something goes wrong. I can just, I can almost right now feel the anxiety that would just every tick of the clock, every second going by, just thinking lost money, lost money, lost money, and how that would build really quickly. Um, knowing that and, and thinking through that type of scenario, 
I don't know if I were in that position that I could ever feel fully comfortable or perfectly secure uh, that uh, that I was protected against some kind of uh, catastrophic element. You know, one hundred percent secure. But do most do most uh, business owners in that t- type of space uh, get comfortable with you know minimizing the risk as much as they can? And and do most of them feel like they're ready to handle a breach? Yeah, I don't think they're ready to handle the breach for sure. I'd, I'm not sure how many merchants will actually go through a proper disaster recovery plan and and documenting that, testing it to make sure that whatever they have in place. Um, you know, there's a there's a bunch of things that we tell merchants that they should do to try and reduce the risks that they become uh, a victim of some sort of cyber attack, right? So using like a strong, unique password for your account and all your um, employee accounts who have access to your store, that's really important. You can use a password manager like 1Password or LastPass, um, but those passwords have to be unique. They have to be strong. They can't be guessable. They can't be something that you can remember. Um, that's got to be your really your sort of your first line of defense. <clears throat> In addition to that, uh, you can enable on most platforms these days, you can enable what's called two-factor authentication. So it's an extra six-digit code that you have to enter after you log in that's generated generally by either sending a text message to your phone or potentially generated on an app that's on your phone. So in addition, if someone were to ever get your password, they would also need access to your phone, which is you know increasingly unlikely. Enabling two-factor authentication is a great way to make sure that people don't have access to your account, even if they somehow guess that really random password or have access to that random password. Minimizing the permissions that you give to your employees is really important as well so that you can, you know, ensure that if somebody does get access to your account, that they can really only do damage in a certain section. So if you have an employee that you've given access to or a contractor that you've given access to your store to uh, and they don't need access to your customer order section, for instance, don't give them permissions to access customers and orders. Don't give them the ability to delete that information. Give them only access to what they need to do in order to do their job. That's that's really, really important. And then uh, third-party apps, you want to make sure that you're vetting those third-party apps and making sure that before you're installing one that you're you know, maybe calling the phone number that's associated to it, looking at the reviews that are online, picking the ones that um, that have you know a lot of social proof that have been used. I think if you can do all of that and minimize your risk, it's going to help you sleep better at night. But you obviously also need a plan of what happens if disaster strikes. So if any of those sort of defense mechanisms go wrong, how are you going to react to it? Because like you mentioned a couple of minutes ago, right? If something's going wrong on your store, that's not the time to be creating the plan for what to do and how to recover, right? You're already in a panic. You you mentioned like that feeling of anxiety that you're going to get of, um, you know, trying to recover from this major disaster. You want to have that plan ahead of time. Um, so if you do everything, you know, that we talked about and trying to minimize the risk, at least you can then come up with, okay, what is the plan and how do we test it to make sure that if something does happen, we know exactly how we're going to react and we know what we can do to recover the data um, when it does, when, when that does, when that day does happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, my background is in crisis communication. So I'm always interested in the impact on reputations. I've seen companies take big hits that impact them much longer than the actual loss of data. I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about how 
you know, protecting a company's reputation by making sure that you can uh, have a minimal disruption in case something goes on. And 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 what uh, businesses? I know you've touched on it a bit, but what businesses can do to protect themselves, and, and you know, even what individuals can do to protect themselves. I think the reputation risk. You know, I, I often talk about reputation as being, you know, very very difficult to create and very easy to lose, right? And, you know, creating that uh, that reputation of being a secure online store takes, you know, in some cases years to develop, but it can quickly, you know, be lost if something does happen to your data. The other part that I think is sometimes overlooked is um, the reputation of an agency that has helped you build your store. Right. Because I think a lot of people are looking to these experts, you know, design agencies, development agencies mm-hmm. as as experts, like they are the ones that are helping them build the store. And if you're running um, an agency and helping somebody set up the store and you haven't properly helped them secure that information and yet you know that it's a problem, I think that that's a major risk to your reputation as well. So you've got, you know, a reputation risk, I think, in, in a lot of different areas. You've got it from the store perspective. You've got it from the, uh, from the designer or developer who's helping them build that store and implement that store, uh, potentially from the employee perspective as well. You know, like it, it can't help you if, if people know that you've been involved in a store that's, um, you know, that has had some sort of problems. That's not going to help you down the road as you start looking for work. So there's all sorts of reputation risks, I think, that that you're right, that go along with these cyber attacks. And um, just trying to defend them as much as possible, I think, is is the best way of trying to mitigate that, right? So doing the things that we talked about in terms of using strong passwords, in terms of using two-factor authentication, really minimizing the risks, but be, you know, at, at all times having this backup in place in case any of those risks, uh, sorry, in case any of those mitigation items fail, think is really important so that that backup as a last resort is there in case you need it and obviously you hope you never do you never want to be going through that situation but um you know taking the proper steps to secure your accounts is is really the easiest way of 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 avoiding some you know real disasters that we've seen all right, time to take a quick break. But first, a reminder, the Cyber 24 is presented each week by our friends at Valcom. Valcom is a Utah-based IT solutions and services provider with a drive for getting IT right from ironclad security to computing and beyond. Valcom's 35-plus years means they have the experience and the expertise to help your business from the desktop to the data center. Check them out at vlcm.com. Back with more on the Cyber 24 podcast presented by Valcom right after this. Allowing your employees to bring their own devices is a lot like allowing them to bring a security time bomb into work. So how do you take the burden of onboarding so many new devices off your IT department without sacrificing security or policy enforcement? Look no further than Aruba ClearPass. ClearPass allows you to safely connect business and personal devices to your network in compliance with your security policies. It also allows you to access devices based on users' roles, device type, and cybersecurity posture. At Valcom, they're all about saving you time while still protecting your privacy. Dismantle your time bombs at vlcmtech.com slash clearpass. That's vlcmtech.com slash clearpass. The demand has never been greater for business owners and IT professionals to invest in intelligent security camera systems. At the intersection of physical security and cybersecurity, an increasing number of organizations struggle to take a proactive approach to surveillance. 
Verkata's all-in-one physical security platform makes this decision easy with features like plug-and-play installation, centralized management, secure remote access to cameras, and smart features and alerts. Smarter security starts with Verkata. Learn more at vlcmtech.com slash Verkata. That's vlcmtech.com slash V-E-R-K-A-D-A. All right, welcome back to the Cyber 24 podcast presented by Valcom. We now continue our discussion with Mike Potter, the CEO and founder of Rewind. Is there a general rule that shows the benefit of investing in security compared to the cost of recovery that that you've seen in your experience or developed in your experience? I think the biggest problem that you've got is that you know, a lot of people look at the at the disaster side like they're they're very confident that it's not going to happen to them, right? And and we talk to people all the time who who have that mentality that well this isn't going to happen to me this isn't going to happen to me it hasn't happened to me in the past. The reality with a lot of these mitigation systems is that you have to have them in place before the disaster happens. So for our product in particular, for for Rewind, for example. Like rewind is not helpful to you if you install rewind after you've had a, a some sort of cyber attack on your on your site. Um, it's not useful. We don't have the data. We can't recover it for you. You have to have installed it before the problem happens, and you can go months or years without anything ever happening to you. Um, and and that's a difficult thing for people to sort of comprehend, right? I I, I think back to you know we've gone through what has it been now sixteen months of this pandemic. And if you think back to the person who 24 months ago was buying N95 masks, right? 20 months ago, they would have been looked at as like, why are you wasting all this money buying N95 masks? Like we haven't needed them. You've been spending, if they spent years buying them and acquiring them and stockpiling them. And then two months later, they're looked at like a national hero because they've stockpiled all of these masks because all of a sudden they're needed. Um, <clears throat> we actually have a story similar to that of one of our employees who was running um, an online store, uh, installed Rewind really early, you know, not just based on her own knowledge of what was needed. And then a couple of weeks later, they had a major problem. And she said, oh, well, you know, good news. I actually installed Rewind a couple of weeks ago and looked like a hero, you know, to the CEO of the company because she had she had proactively identified that as a risk and then was able to mitigate it when it happened. So I, I don't think we've, we haven't done much, um, research, I'd say on, on the costs associated to it and the sort of the trade-offs and things like that. But I mean, it's, it's sometimes, you know, difficult to get people around that notion that listen, like this is a tool that you have in your back pocket in case something happens. Um, and it's, it's in some cases like a bit of an insurance policy that you're paying, you're paying, you're paying, you're paying. When you need it, it's going to work. It's going to work out great for you. You're going to love it. Um, but hopefully, you know, hopefully, obviously you never need it, but it is there if you do. Yeah. Your best case scenario is that you always pay for the insurance and then you end up just wasting the money because you ever never actually need it because the disaster never comes. Right. Um, but you definitely do want it when, you, when that does pop up. You're glad to have it. Uh, how have you seen companies evolve as it relates to? mitigating risk related to data protection and business continuity? I think there's definitely more awareness of problems these days than there were, you know, when we started rewind six years ago, you know, even SAS backup six years ago was a relatively new thing, but these days you've got um, fairly large, well, very large companies that have built very successful businesses 
um, doing backups for SaaS applications, whether that be us doing backups for the platforms we support or others doing backups for uh, for Salesforce, for uh, Office 365, for Google Docs, etc. And I think what happens is as time goes on and more people experience the problems and they understand that the solutions are available, they talk in those communities that they're in and they let other people know about the risks and they educate, they help educate the market. And that's certainly what we've seen in the case of our of our e-commerce backup com- uh, products, which is in the communities that we participate in. So Shopify and BigCommerce in particular, where merchants are gathering, you know, many of them have experienced problems. Many of them have used Rewind to recover from those problems. And over time, they discuss it and they let other people know, that, hey, you know, maybe you didn't realize this was going to be a problem, but it absolutely is. And this is a tool that you can use to help recover from it. So compared to what we saw six years ago, five years ago, when we first started, there's absolutely more awareness of the problem. Uh, there's more discussions because people have encountered the problem and used tools like ours to recover from it. I think generally speaking, you know, the incidents of cyber attacks have gone up in the last year, year and a half as well. Um, you know, with some fairly high profile, um, attacks that have gone on with some fairly well known systems. You know, the, the general awareness and risk, I think, has gone up of what is the impact? What, what is, what's the potential impact of a, of a cyber attack on our business? Uh, and I think people are starting to get more prepared and really realize that this is a, an absolutely a potential thing that can happen to a business. And it's just part of a general risk mitigation strategy to, um, to be prepared for something like that. Yeah. You know, I've noticed that the, there's a trend that data protection tends to get more expensive over time. Do you see anything that makes you think that costs are going to plateau or even decrease at some point in the future? Or are we just looking at continual increases in cost? I think <clears throat> it's a tough question to answer because I think, you know, in general, um, once we've protected some piece of information or some piece of data, I think the attackers will discover other vectors to go after. And so I think that's what sort of causes the cost to increase, right? As you protect one area of your business, um, a vector, another vector opens up, right? It's a bit of this privilege, uh, this principle of like least, um, the, the least secure part of your business is the one that's going to get attacked. And so as you secure that, another sort of hole opens up somewhere else and now you have to secure that. Um, so I do see that, you know, that potential of costs increasing over time. I think that's a reasonable assumption because there's just more vectors to, to take care of. On the other hand, you know, the costs of, of, um, of building the software and developing the software in general, um, have leveled out. Like we haven't increased our costs, um, or, or our prices for customers since we first started the application like three or four years ago or five years ago now. So I think generally costs have sort of stabilized in, in terms of what we do, but absolutely I, I see lots of opportunities for people to be, um, you know, increasing the amount they're spending on protection because there's so many different ways that you can be, um, that, that, that people can attack you. Yeah. Uh, as we wrap up this part of our discussion, what advice would you give uh, a business looking to protect itself against data loss? Obviously, we've covered a lot of good things so far, but if you had to sort of sum it up for somebody, what's that uh, nugget of advice that you'd start with? I'd say, you know, it really, I think, starts with 
with securing your account, right? So enable, um, it, it make sure you've got a random password. You, you really, we mandate the use of, of one password at Rewind um, internally. If you're not using a password manager, you absolutely should be using a password manager. You should not be able to remember or guess, you know, the login uh, credentials for whatever account you're using and quickly enable two-factor authentication. It's not that difficult. Uh, most of them support SMS two-factor authentication, meaning they'll just send you a text message with six-digit code that you have to enter when you go to log in. Um, I would say that is probably the easiest thing you can do to try and secure your account. Uh, obviously, like we mentioned, you know, you want to be really careful about third-party apps that you're investigating and, and you'll need a tool like Rewind or some sort of backup just in case. But the quickest, I think easiest win is use a very secure random password for your login. I'm not sure that a lot of people know this, but you know, when, when those passwords get compromised, they they're quickly up on the internet and there are automated tools and scripts that are going out to people to test those those logins on a bunch of different sites so if you've used the same password for your e-commerce store as you have for some other account and that other account gets compromised you can be very very sure that somebody's going to take that same login password username combination email address password combination and try and log into you know an e-commerce store with it. It's it's absolutely going to happen. So, making sure you're using a unique password, I think, is one of the easiest things you can do um, to avoid somebody getting you know inadvertent access to your online accounts. You've mentioned a couple times the uh, you know password managers. What's your take on uh, the sort of the built-in ones? If you're using Chrome, where Google will generate or store a password for you. Apple will do that on Safari. Uh, do you like those or do you still prefer a third party uh, setup and and why, if that's the case? Generally, we're preferring a third party application over the built-in ones in the browser. Um, we, we tend to find that the, the built-in ones don't have the same level of security that something like a 1Password has, for instance. So uh, I won't get into the technical details of how it works, but um, you know we do we do see that the one password or third party applications are are more secure than the ones that are built into the browsers. Having said that, you know if there's always a trade off between security and ease of use, and if you find that using one password is a is a bit too difficult. Um, certainly the in-browser ones are better than using a password that is, you know, easily guessable that, you know, you've written down on a sticky note that's attached to your monitor. Um, but, but, you know, in our, in our opinion, and after the research we've done, we have found that the external password managers provide a better level, a better level of security than the uh, built-in ones from a browser perspective. All right. A great conversation with Mike Potter, the CEO of Rewind on the cost and impact of data loss. We're going to have more with Mike coming up in our next episode, where we're going to talk about e-commerce a little more specifically. As we wrap up for this episode, I want to thank our sponsors at Valcom. At Valcom, you get much more than a dedicated IT retailer. They become an extension of your IT team. Whether you're a startup or an enterprise, Valcom has the technical sales and engineering expertise to make your business more effective and more productive. Check them out at vlcm.com. That's vlcm.com. Special thanks as well to our supporting partners, the Utah Department of Technology Services, the Kempsey Gardner Policy Institute, 
Sekivant, the Utah Attorney General's Office, and the Utah Department of Public Safety. You can follow us on Twitter at Cyber24 underscore, or you can follow us on Facebook as well. Hit us up in either place. Let us know what you think. Or if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss on a future episode, you can also rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. We love those five-star ratings. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week, and stay safe online. Stay safe online.